You know, this week, as I'm, I was looking at the sermon uh, and the text for which I was going to base the sermon on, I couldn't help but feel that the enemy was working really hard. Was working really hard in order for this sermon not to happen. Um, he does that every week, by the way. But whenever we are dealing with something that is greater than ourselves, and whenever we're dealing with something that is going to, or is designed to bring the attention back to God, or to draw your attention to a certain way that it will encourage you to be drawn back to the Lord, he works overtime. Not just in my life, but in your life as well. And I'm sure that if you look back at, at your week, you could probably and most likely say, hmm. Some of you may even think to yourself, I shouldn't even be here today. Or I didn't, I didn't want to come here, but I came. Well, let me encourage you. You're here because this is where you're supposed to be. God has brought you here because he wants you not just to hear something, but he wants you to do something. And so this morning, I want to invite you, before I open the word of God again one more time, this is a house of prayer. And so I want to invite you to pray with me one more time. Father God, as we're about to open your word, I pray, Father, that you will lead us, that you will Fill us with your spirit, and Lord, we pray that your angels will surround this place. And Lord, may it protect us. May, may they put a hedge around us. And we pray for your spirit to open our minds and our hearts to listen to your still small voice this morning, asking us to focus on you in this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you, I'd like to invite you to open with me to the book of John. I'm going to conclude my two-sermon series today that was started two weeks ago on John chapter 15. But before I, I start, I also want to say this just to reiterate, I encourage you to come and join us for our prayer initiative happening this Wednesday. Um, we cannot pray enough about church growth. But before we do anything, before we come up with plans and initiatives, we need to pray. And so I invite you to join me in this uh, initiative of growing together. So the sermon is about John chapter 15, chapters one, chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. And I have the words on the screen here for you, so I invite you to read along with me as we go through these eight verses. I am the true vine. 
and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, but without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned." If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. There's a lot to unpack here. There is a lot. I don't know about you, but every time I read a text like this, new things jump out at me. So this morning, though I could continue to preach on John 15 for the rest of the year, I will not. I will come back to this text maybe in a year or two. But I want to focus on this particular, these two verses. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. These are the two verses we'll be focusing on. But more specifically, let's tackle this one. You are already clean because the word which I have spoken to you. You have often heard, and maybe I haven't said that recently, you can't take the text out of the context or else it becomes a pretext. In other words, there is something that's going on that's happening here. So let me ask you those. For those of you that have read this, these verses before, what is the context in which we find these verses in? Just somebody, yell, help me out. You haven't read this text. So let, let me tell you. Winemaking, okay. The, it's, the context is, is not winemaking. Um, it has to deal with the grape because, if you remember, the grape vine was a symbol that Israel related itself to salvation. Here's how. Because... The vine shoots off its branch and it's connected to the main, the main trunk. They viewed themselves as being connected to Israel. The Jews being connected to Israel, they had salvation because Israel was the chosen people of God. Does that ring a bell? 
the chosen people of God, just because they, they were the chosen people of God, they associated automatically that they had salvation. And so Jesus, going against that particular premise or pretext, he says, no, I am the true vine, not Israel. When, does, when is Jesus saying these words to the disciples? Just before Gethsemane. The Desire of Ages tells us that after they had done the upper room experience with the washing of the feet and the, and the Last Supper, they start walking from that place out of Jerusalem into the Garden of Gethsemane. And it's as they're walking by, we are told that he sees this vine and it was beautiful. And as he sees the vine, he begins to say these words, I am the vine, you are the branches. There's this context, right, that's happening. It's right after the, the, the communion service, the Last Supper that they held, and it's just before the trial and crucifixion. So he's telling them this, but if you were a member just before in John chapter 13, Jesus says, you are already clean, but not all of you. He's referring to Judas. And so now you, you keep on reading, and then chapter 14 is famous for its first verse. It says, believe, let not your heart be troubled, because he's, Jesus is telling them, I'm leaving. I'm not going to be here for a while longer. All I, all, all I have is maybe a couple of days, if that. And so he says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in me. Believe in God, believe also in me, because in my Father's house there are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would tell you, I am leaving, so I'm going to prepare a place for you, because where I am, I want you to be also. So Jesus is encouraging them, and as and after chapter 14, you have chapter 15, where he, on the way out of Jerusalem, he sees this vine, and he tells the disciples, I am the vine. But he says this. Again, alluding back, contrast this to chapter 13 where he says, you are clean, but not all of you. But now he says this, you are clean. Why does he not repeat the words, not all of you? Because Judas is not there. But I came back to the phrase, I said, but why are they clean? They... Again, the context, you go back to chapter 13. Jesus tells them that they are clean and begins to wash the disciples' feet. And as they begin, he begins to wash the disciples' feet. Peter says, well, not my feet also, but my entire body. Peter. Oh, Peter. You've already been bathed. You've already been baptized. But here's the clue. He says, you are clean. The word clean here in the original Greek language. When Jesus uses this towards people, he only uses this word when he's talking about 
Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This is one of the, the occasions where he uses the same word in the Greek to, in relationship to humans. Blessed are the pure in heart. So me being clean has nothing to do with bathing. He also uses this word in another text. In, John, in Matthew chapter 23, verse 26, it says, Blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish that the outside of them may be clean also. He's, he's alluding to the inside of an individual. We must be clean in the inside rather than the outside. It's kind of like I knew somebody that... that they love to put on a show on the outside. They love to have all the bling and the, and the flashy things, but then you go talk to them. It's like there's no substance. Pharisee, all shine on the outside, no substance on the inside. Their hearts were not directed towards the one. But here's, here's, here's something else too. Again, going back to Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. Why was he completely clean? Because he, was it because he was already bathed? No. They, he was bathed, in other words, he was baptized because he believed in who that person that was standing in front of him was. You can be baptized, but that doesn't mean you're clean. Say that again. You can be baptized. Let me go even further. You can come to church every week. You may even read the Bible every day or pray before meals, but that doesn't mean you're clean. We clearly can see this with Judas. Because the statement is here that you are. Jesus said to him, this is Peter, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. Judas was that one who chose not to believe. For he who knew would betray him, therefore he said you are not all clean. But here's, here's, the, other, here's the other component to this. Why were they clean? Because of the, you can barely see that because of my bad design. <laughs> word. That's what, that's what the Bible says. You are clean because of the word. Whose word? I have spoken to you. Who's doing the talking here? It's Jesus. The word that we have in Greek for this, most of you may have read it or heard it before, is the word logos. And for which we find this in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But did you know that the word word here in the Greek comes from another 
word that means to lay forth. Exactly, Legos. Did you know that the word Lego means to lay forth in Greek? In other words, think about a Lego set. You can't take one piece, right? And make a car. You missed it, man. You can't take one piece of Lego and make a car or a plane or a motorcycle. My son loves cars, so that's all he's got. (laughs) You have cars too. You love cars too. Yeah. Who doesn't like cars? Thank you. Let's go back to this. The word... The lay forth is the word Lego. As you build one piece at a time, it starts to take shape. It starts to come together. That's why, let me go back to here. Now think about this. In the beginning, the word, which comes from the, the word Lego, which means to set forth. So the impression that John is trying to convey to the readers is that God is a God of action. God is a God who does things on behalf of people. He's the one who thinks through this process. And that's why when, when in the creation account, God doesn't say, okay, planet Earth, appear. No, he says, in the first day, there was light. And each day builds on another until you have an environment that was conducive for human life and to sustain it. In the beginning was the word, Jesus was laying forth the creation of the world. And and that's why it says all things. So. What happens Thank you, boys. Let's put it right here. Thank you. Sorry, buddy. But even when we break apart, there's already a pattern for rebuilding. See, a God who works on behalf of humankind doesn't allow itself to be shattered. It doesn't allow itself to fall apart without having a manual to be put back together. Nothing All that was made through him, and without him, nothing that was made was made. 
Jesus was involved from the very beginning. Ephesians tells us from the foundations of this world, even before humanity was established, there was a plan should humanity fall. But let's get back to this. The word, the lego, God, Jesus, was building the disciples up for three years. That's why he says, you are clean. Because of the word I, I, I put in you. You are clean because you believe of what I've told you. You are clean because you have followed me, because you have believed me. But there's another component to this as well. When we look at the word of God, what role does it play in our everyday? Because Jesus can speak to us every Sabbath when we come to church. But there's another component to that. This is not enough. The psalmist, he writes this, establish your word in your servant who is devoted to fearing you. The word fearing here literally means obedience. How are you going to obey God if you have not had his word in you? How is my son or my daughter going to obey me if there is no relationship between us? How are we to obey what God has called us to do if we don't know what he is telling us to become? The same author writes these words, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Sounds a lot like a manual, right? You have something that's going to guide you in your walk with God. How often are you spending time in the word of God so the word of God is in you? So you can become clean. Now, you can read this all you want and still not believe. That's not what I'm talking about. But when you take it in and you believe that the word of God is God's word to you, and you spend time and you become intimate with this, and you start knowing where, where things are. And this morning I had a hard time. I'm like, where's my Bible? I was about to text my wife. I was like, hey, bring my Bible. I think I left it at home. And then I remembered I didn't pack my Bible in my backpack. I left it in my car. And when I realized, I'm like, oh, great. And then you start marking up your Bible of things that are important and make sense to you because God is speaking to you. And then you just open up different chapters and sections of it. And you're like, ah, oh, there it is. God's voice speaks through the Bible. And the Bible needs to speak to you. That's how we're going to become clean. Again, 
You are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Abide in me. The word abide. I'm getting ahead of myself. To abide. Here he's saying you have to abide in God to bear fruit, correct? How long, I've already said this earlier, how long have the disciples been with Jesus? Three years. Let me ask you a question. Don't answer your hand or raise your hands or give me, don't let me know what you're thinking. How many of you have been in a church member for three years and yet you've done nothing because you think you have nothing to offer? How long have you been coming to church and you have not served your church because... Here we go. Because you feel that you don't have enough experience. Or you feel that your gift is not good enough. Or you feel that you need to learn more. Or you feel that you need to grow more. Let me give you some help. As I said earlier, and you recognize it, the disciples were with Jesus for three years, and he says, you are already to bear fruit. Here's the stage bearing fruit of a vine. When you first, in year one, it becomes a plant and it grows. It bears no fruit. Acceptable. Because you're learning. And you're growing. And then you get to a point where like, yeah, I think I got enough. And then the vine dresser comes over and prunes you and you're like what's going on wait a minute my walk with God is I don't know what to do with this stage hold on relax you're growing there's a reason behind the madness and so he prunes you and then all of a sudden in year two you start to what grow but there are Fruits that appear. Is that the best quality fruit that you will ever be able to produce? No, but it's fruit nonetheless. From the very inception, God has designed us to bear fruit. That is our purpose. Our purpose is not obedience. That is the result of love. Our purpose is to bear fruit. So after we bear fruit, he goes back and clips us again and we become ugly. Why? Oh, look at the next year. Look how much more fruit it was produced. Look how much more you have to offer. See, God takes you and he molds you and he fastens you and you begin to climb up that trellis. And as he develops you, as you take the word of God in you, you become ready for production. Fruit. The fruit can now become a wine. And we know who the best winemaker is. He actually can make water into wine. But he takes you and me and makes us able to produce the fruit for others to enjoy. That's the purpose of a tree. A tree does not bear fruit for itself It bears fruit for the sake of others. So the word abide, it literally means to stay. 
So when Jesus is telling you, abide in me, he says, stay with me. Hold on. Some versions mean, uh, I was reading the uh, Message Bible today, and, and, and it says, live. That doesn't encompass the true definition of this. To live, this is the exact meaning for it. To stay in a given place, state, relation, or expectancy. To abide, to continue, dwell, endure, be present, remain. You know who did this really well was Jesus. Whenever he, whenever he came into somebody, to somebody's house, he would stay there in the moment. He says, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. He's asking, listen, take time. You want to get to know me? You can't see me because I'm not here with you anymore. Read my words. He also said this. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. It's a relationship. It's the result of that. Just as I have kept my father, my father's commandments, and abide in his love. The desire of ages also says this. It's a life of unreserved surrender. You know what, a, what it means to be unreserved? An unreserved surrender. You served Marine Corps, Army. Where is Roy? Army. Anybody else I'm missing? Navy. Oh, we got all four branches. Army, okay? When you join the military, it's an unreserved surrender of your life because you're going to serve a greater purpose. Military men and women, they understand this all too well. And when I approach them at my base and I say, this is what it means to surrender, they get it. Because at any moment, we can be called to serve somewhere, someone, and we don't know if we can, we're going to come back. Jesus' call to us to unconditionally surrender is exactly that, is you to forsake everything that you have for the sake of his kingdom. I get it. You may not be ready for it. Home. But listen to what he says. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood, my blood abides in me and I in him. This is, this is not a macabre thought or, or idea. This is literally when you partake, when you say, I want to follow Jesus and I want to partake of his life, I want to do what he says, you're going to abide. He's going to abide in you. You're going to have assurance of salvation. Remember we talked about that today, this week? Your assurance of salvation now drives you to live a fuller life in Jesus. Because you're not worried about tomorrow. You're not worried about what's going to happen to you because you're covered. Everything will be all right. Everything will be okay. Why? 
because you are abiding in Jesus. This morning, two questions. Are you abiding in Jesus? Only you can answer that. Are you spending time in the Bible, in the word of God, so he, so you become clean? And two, have you surrendered? Have you surrendered to the call that Jesus has for you? And that may be a bigger call than what it is right now. It may be a bigger call than coming to church. It may be a bigger call than being baptized. It may be a bigger call than partaking in communion service. That's a question that you have to decide. As you shared with me, God told me to do these things, right? God will reveal to you what he wants you to do, and it's going to be bigger than yourself. But you have to be willing to trust that you are ready to produce the fruits. And you have to understand that if he's calling you to serve, it's because you're ready to produce. You don't have to wait. You don't have to, oh, I, I, need, to, I, I need to get my affairs in place. Yeah, Jesus had some really strong words for those that said, hey, can I go say bye to my family first? Yeah, go ahead. Don't come back. Are you abiding in Christ? At this moment, we are going to break for our communion. It's the second part of our service, and for those that are joining us online, we're going to cease our um, live um, worship service. And thank you for joining us. And we look forward to seeing you again next week.